From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for October 15th, 2018. That's a Tuesday, uh, but in South Korea, it's Wednesday, and that's where the PGA Tour is this week for the CJ Cup, and we've been wanting to do this for a while, and now we get to do it uh, from the stiff shaft and the stiff shaft.com co-founder and senior writer at that website and longtime golf follower back and forth between us dan hauser welcome to the show how's it going i'm good nice to be with you yeah you too did i leave anything else out of your bio well i think that about covers it for the most part all right so the reason why we're having him on is uh a he expressed an interest in coming on which we're flattered by and B, um, we want to talk some golf and, and talk some, uh, some, some golf overseas, um, specifically because field strength is about to increase 10,000-fold here starting tomorrow night when that first group tees off. You can see that covers 10 p.m. Eastern time on Golf Channel. Um, let's talk about this for a second, though. You live in Jupiter, Florida. A, how many times have you eaten at the Woods Jupiter? And B, have you run into Tiger Woods yet? Uh, I've not run into Tiger at the Woods Jupiter. Uh, as for how many times I've been there, uh, I couldn't even give you a, a, a count. It's not because it's been so few, but uh, it's one of my new favorite places around town. Uh, it's a great spot, especially for uh, especially for happy hour on a Friday night. Uh, you know, I, I, I checked it out when it first opened up, and since then I've probably been there, you know, I would say at least... Uh, at least over a dozen times, but uh, I don't even know that exact number. You know, what's funny about that is that you've got some people, Ricky Fowler, they, I think Michelle Wee was in that group too, that's like, yeah, we go here all the time, we don't, we start too lazy to cook, we'll just go here. In your times there, have you seen anyone famous? Yeah, so, uh, I, while I have not seen Tiger there, uh, I have run into Ricky there a couple times. Uh, I have not run into Michelle Wee at all. Uh, I have not run into Rory there at all. I know Rory sometimes likes going there too. Uh, running into Justin Thomas there once. Uh, that's about it as, a, as far as other golfers go. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a place, uh, ironically enough, actually, shortly after it opened, I ran into uh, Elon, of all people, there one night. So I don't know what, what that was all about. Maybe she was just kind of checking out Tiger's new setup there. But I, I found that to be pretty interesting just given the, the history between the two of them. And at the time, you know, I, I'm not sure how chummy they were as they are now but that was probably the most i would say interesting name that i've happened to to come across there that is interesting obviously any conversations you have with these guys is probably off the record and not anything journalistic but just in general when you see these pga tour players there do people go up to them do people leave them alone do people want to take pictures how so, you know, not even a little bit so i actually went with because of where I live, I tend to run into uh, the, the golfers. Not, I mean, not on a daily occasion, but I run into them enough, you know, out and about where right. it's not uncommon for me. And quite frankly, for the most part, you know, just like I'm, just like wherever I'm running into them, I'm out to just relax and get away from work and enjoy my my free time. You know, they're looking to do the same. So I actually don't really go up to them and even talk to them that much. I, you know, I I, I am lucky enough that I'm able to speak to to several of them enough. You know at tournaments and on the course and while right. you're at work and while I'm at work. So just like, you know, when just like you and I, when we're not, not at work, we don't really want to be talking about work that much. You know, it's kind of the same way with them. And as, as far as other people go, it, it's mostly the same thing. And that's why 
the, the Jupiter area is such a popular area for these golfers because they can really, for the most part, of course, obviously you have your people that are going to stop anyone anywhere they go, but for the most part, these guys can go out wherever they want to go and just be regular people. They they get left alone. They don't get bothered. They just, they're able to go out and enjoy their lives just like the rest of us are. So, uh, you know, this, this area is pretty cool when it comes to, um, I guess you could say celebrities and, and just kind of being left to their own accord. You don't have to name the person, but where is the most random place in your time living in Jupiter that you have run into some kind of professional golfer? So uh, there was a morning when I was at a local bagel uh, shop uh, around the corner from my house. Uh, I give the name, but I'm sure that 99% of your the listeners probably wouldn't even know what it was. <laughs> it's a local Jupiter bagel shop. And right. uh, I ran into a, a pro golfer there standing in line for his... Uh, his bagel in the morning for breakfast, just like I was. So <laughs> that was, uh, and, the, and the, I would say the most interesting part of that entire uh, thing happening, not that he was just waiting in line for a bagel, but it, it, he was dressed head to toe like he was going to play at a tour event and not just going around town. And when I say head to toe, I'm talking head to toe in tour gear, pants, shirt, hat, shoes, everything. Like he had just walked off a PGA tour event or was getting ready to head to a PGA tour event and not just the regular you know, random day where he was probably descending to the course of practice. That's that's hilarious. Um, who knows? Yeah. Maybe they were shooting a promotional, you know, some kind of commercial or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you, you never, never uh, know. It's, 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 every other day around here with, with the different courses that these guys remember that they're constantly shooting, you know, commercials, promotional events, sponsors, events and whatnot. So it, it's very, it's very, very possible. It's just, it was just a little, not weird, it was just kind of funny to walk in on a Tuesday morning and see a guy dressed up like he, like it was a, you know, Sunday morning uh, ahead of the, the final round at the Honda. Yeah, exactly. The Tuesday morning and a random day of the week. Yeah. Um, what's interesting for me um, about um, how you tell that is there's there's a great story. Um, I live, where I live, uh, I'm neighbors. I'm not technically neighbors, but I like to jokingly call myself neighbors from uh, Bruce Springsteen. We, we, we live in the same county in, uh, in New Jersey. And there's this ice cream place down the Jersey Shore that um, a colleague of mine frequented. And he was there with his two kids. And the line's long. It's a Sunday night during the summer. And they're just looking around, you know, taking in the sights. And they turn around. And the person behind them online is Bruce Springsteen. No entourage, no security, no nothing. It's just Bruce online, sunglasses and a baseball hat, trying to get ice cream on a hot summer day. And he could not have been nicer, but he's like, that's exactly what you would think Bruce Springsteen would be, just on a line for ice cream like everybody else. But I can tell you that's literally how it is every day of the week for for all these guys that live down here. I mean, you see them out at the local sandwich shop, the local bagel shop, the deli, the bar, the, the on, on the water, taking their boat out for an afternoon spin, you know, ride their bike down the street. You know, I mean, literally anything that, you and I as just a normal person in our everyday life would do, that's what these guys are doing here, and they are doing it, I don't want to say in anonymity, because obviously people know who they are, but right. they're doing it in the anonymity in the sense that they're left alone to just do it, and they're not being hounded for autographs and hounded for this and hounded for that. Now, the one exception to that is obviously Tiger Woods, because he's Tiger Woods, so he, yes. doesn't, he doesn't get out quite like the rest of them do, because he is somebody that's on a level that you know none of them... We'll probably ever get to. <laughs> and, yeah, no, and realistic stuff. And look, Ricky's gotten a lot of headlines because of Allison and Allison's past, which a lot of people know. She was a viral sensation years ago. 
Uh, some would say for the right reasons, some would say for the wrong reasons. Um, but there is no doubt that Tiger is is nowhere near anybody else who lives in that Jupiter area, just in terms of... Maybe maybe, maybe Michael Jordan might be the, the only one you could really compare it to in terms yes. of the area, but that's obviously a different sport in itself. So. And what's hilarious is that, that this whole general area also includes Jack Nicholas, who a lot of people would would get serious, you know, uh, who would seriously fawn over him if any random guy who idolized him ran into him. Yet I just don't think Jack gets that kind of social media of, um, oh my God, I just ran into blank and blank here that Tiger would yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, going too. And, funny, and funny that you mentioned that. So uh, in a previous life in my younger years, I worked uh, in retail and did a little retail management. One of the companies that I worked for was uh, Brookstone, which I'm sure everybody is very familiar with that. You get all sorts of fun little knickknacks and, 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 and all sorts of stuff. It, it, it does places like a sharper image type store as well. It's yeah. No longer in business. But, uh, so anyway, long story short, the, the local mall down here, which is in Palm Beach Gardens, which is literally five minutes down the road from Jupiter, is the next major town south, um, was the, the store that I worked at. And every single year, Jack would come in and he would buy a bunch of, bunch of stuff for around the holiday time for the kids and the grandkids and the great, you know, great grandkids and everyone. And he would walk around the store and he would buy what he wanted and people would come up and say hi to him and, you know, maybe they would shake his hand or, or ask for a picture or something and he couldn't have been more nice about it and he'd go about continuing his shopping and then just go back out of the mall like everyone else is doing. So, yeah, I mean, he got stopped maybe a little bit more than some of these other guys would, but it wasn't like the type of thing where literally everyone in the mall was just following him around and there's circles around him and there's hordes of people, like, you know, where he can't even move around. It's just... Oh, hi, Mr. Nicholas, how you doing? Nice to see you, blah, blah. You know, you shake his hand and move about his way. And, and that's just the type of guy he is, and that's the, obviously he's been living here for so long that seeing him out and about really isn't, I guess, as big of a deal or even that shocking anymore just because, you know, he's, he, was, he was the first one to move down here. Yeah. Of, of any, you know, of the golfers. You know, we're talking a long, long time ago and whatnot. So it, it, at this point, you know, he's, he's rooted so much here with his family and his grandkids and all them and, you know, the, you know, his, a lot of his grandkids are obviously very successful athletes as well. Nick O'Leary plays uh, tight end for the Miami Dolphins right now. You know, he was with the Buffalo Bills, played at Florida State. You know, I mean, you can go down the list of, of the lineage of that family who is cemented in this area. So even for somebody like him, he doesn't really get hassled or bothered too much. Before we get into actual golf, anything else we should know about uh, hashtag Jupe life? <laughs> uh, I think that about covers, you know, like I said, it, it, it's, it's a good area, you know, it's a popular area because on top of the fact that you have, you know, 9,000 golf courses within five minutes of your house no matter where you live, uh, which is obviously a plus for these guys, you know. Like I said, it's, just, it's a nice area for them. Obviously, Florida has the luxury of no, uh, you know, no state income tax, so obviously it's a safe haven for these guys from a tax standpoint as well to live here. Uh, but then on top of that, you know, I mean, as, you, as we've seen so much from these guys being profiled throughout the years, you know, they, they enjoy the lifestyle down here they enjoy being able to take the boat out or go for a run or go for a bike ride or you know do whatever they want to do really and be able to do it in uh you know in in relative anonymity um yeah i mean i'm i'm you know we, we could probably do a whole podcast another time for stories that i have of just running into guys in different scenarios and different situations uh but you know as you as you said before you know we got some some real golf to talk about yes uh we're talking to dan hauser from the stiff shaft at Oh, God. I was about to give your Twitter handle, and then I was unsure of what it was. It is at Dan Hauser Golf. There we go. H-A-U-S-E-R. All right. The reason why I wanted to have Dan on and have somebody on talk about the Asian swing is because the Asian swing has become 
the major part of the fall in the PGA Tour. And it got amplified by such a weak field last week in Houston. Lento Griffin is a great story, but you don't have Kepka and JT and Spieth and Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland. And I can go all down the names of the people who are in the field this week at the CJ Cup. Tiger's back next week. Phil's trying to desperately make his way on, on, the, on the President's Cup team and just get some kind of momentum. And here we are, Dan. Three events, limited field, guaranteed FedEx Cup points, guaranteed four rounds, which for a lot of these guys is the most important thing, believe it or not, and nice purses, which is a nice bonus if you're someone like a Matt Wolf who may want the money. I think a lot of these guys, is just bonus money for them to go buy whatever else they want for the holidays. But for some of these people, it can be very useful money. I'm having these big purses, which is why they go to Asia in the first place. What's your take on these three events and how they now fit within the PGA Tour's fall slate? I'll tell you what, it's, I, I feel like it was only a couple of years ago that we were looking at the, at the Asian swing as something that was, it was pretty much looked at as an afterthought, minus that, that one WGC event. Yeah. Even that, I mean, if you, if you look at the, the last time Dustin Johnson won that WGC event over there uh, in Asia, the field wasn't exactly... Uh, very deep as far as WGCs go. So I think that both the PGA Tour domestically here as well as all the their Asian counterparts have done a great job of, uh, I guess you could say, uh, getting these events to feel uh, big to the point where they were, they're were they able to then get the big names to come and then it is seen as big to the average golf fan who basically looks every week and says, okay, what are the names playing? Do I know these guys? No, I don't know these guys. Then it must not be a big deal. Uh, so, you know, as you mentioned, you, you, you went down the list of some of those names that we're going to see this week. And, uh, you know, for, for the casual golfer out there, or for even just the, even the, the golf nut who still watches every week, I mean, when you get fields with those names and, the, and that deep, and like you said, guaranteed four rounds, you know, which, yeah, that's great for the golfers. And like you said, most of these guys probably just, you know, a, a couple weeks of a vacation in Asia with you know some golf played and, and making a little bit of cash on the side, but uh, for the fan to be able to watch all these guys, knowing that no matter what, barring injury or barring you know something happening, you're going to get to see these guys battle out for all four rounds, no matter where they are in the standing. Uh, it's going to be a fun time, and given the time difference that we have over here uh, in the United States, especially for people like you and me that are on the east coast of uh, the United States, who will basically be waking up or staying awake through the middle of the night to watch it, it makes it a little bit easier to watch when you got some good names that you can follow. Yes, um, I will not be staying up late. You can uh, <laughs> you can uh, guarantee that my DVR will be, uh, will be set fully um, because that is not something I can pull off. I wish I could, but I, 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 I can't. Now, maybe if it's the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup, we have a different story, but not for this. Um, one thing that I find interesting about this is that if you look at the field, there's a bunch of guys, take a Victor Hovland, for example, who's obviously riding so much momentum. He would love the opportunity to get his first win. You've got guys, and I'm just going to name random people off this leaderboard, Brian Stewart, Vaughn Taylor, um, Adam Long, um, uh, K.J. Choi, who hasn't been around in a while. Harold Varner, who's still looking for his first win. Wyndham Clark. Joel Damon, who's still trying to break through. These are guys that could desperately need a victory. Then there's this other group of people who, 
you know, the Woodlands and, you know, Kepka and Phil, although he's looking for form, Matsuyama, uh, Kevin Streelman, I don't think their finish this week is going to make or break how they view 2019. Then there's Jordan Spieth, and he fascinates me, Dan, because I have absolutely no idea what Jordan Spieth were getting this week, and he looked like a lost golfer when we last saw him. Well, before we before we get to Jordan Spieth, another name on the list of guys that could really use a win this week, I think, that would be a good one to add on there, would be Brooks Kepka's younger brother, Chase Kepka, yes, who currently yes. has no status really on any tour, so I feel like a win this week might be a pretty big deal for him as well. Yes, that's but, a very good point. As you were talking about with Jordan Spieth, you said you don't know what Jordan Spieth we're going to get this week. I don't even think Jordan Spieth knows what Jordan Spieth we're going to get this week, and I don't think he's known what Jordan Spieth we're going to get in a given week for quite a long time now. And, and if you listen to, well, forget just watching his play be as erratic as it's been. If you listen to him speak, I, I legitimately think that he is lost. And I know that he looks lost to us, but I think in his own mind he is lost, and I don't think that he really knows how to get it's not really the most technical term, but unlost uh, right now. And I think that's the craziest thing of it all is that, what was it, two years ago, two and a half years ago, we're basically talking, this, talking is Jordan Spieth going to win the single season Grand Slam? And now it's, A, can he make a cut? Four years. If he makes a Four cut, years. he finish in the top five? Or is he going to be, you know, barely making the cut and finishing dead last among the guys that made the cut? Or is he going to finish dead last for the entire tournament? And literally all three of those finishes I don't think would shock anybody right now with the way he's playing no and I don't think uh you you want to look at it even more in depth look at his double bogeys or worse percentage which is awful but and I'm sure you've written about this have you written about his scoring disparities for last year between rounds uh, I don't know if I wrote anything formally, but I I know I've made you know notes about it on on social media throughout dur- you know during the tournament. Before. Yes, and I'm I'm telling you folks, and I've brought this up multiple times on the show, but if you have not, go to the PGA Tour stats page, and this is one of the most mind blowing things I've ever seen in all my years of covering golf, watching golf, being a Tiger fan, whatever the case may be. I have never seen somebody who had a first-round scoring average of ninth, a second-round scoring average of first, a third-round scoring average of 170th, and a fourth-round, sorry, final-round scoring average of 187th out of 206-some-odd players who qualified for the stat. I have never seen that kind of disparity between two days and two days. And it's shocking that somebody of this caliber and his caliber is having that kind of disparity. It's, it's wild. And I, I don't remember the exact year, but I know there was a, a, a year, a couple of seasons ago on tour where Rory McIlroy was having, a, I believe it was this Friday when he was having a lot of struggles and there was a pretty big scoring disparity between uh, the other days. And I want to say it was Friday. It was Friday or Saturday. I don't remember the exact day. I do remember there was a period of time where he was having a particular day where he struggled, but it was nothing like what we've seen from Jordan Spieth, that's for sure. I mean, especially just in the sense that you're basically, basically what those numbers are saying is that he's top five after heading into the weekend and then just completely goes into the tank. And it's just, it's, it's, it's shocking from the standpoint of, of and, and I brought it up before, I mean, it's, it was a couple of years ago that we were talking that Jordan Spieth could be the greatest golfer we've ever seen and he was, is he going to win the, the single season Grand Slam? And I mean, he, he, was, he was a couple shots away from winning the first three in a row. You know that uh, a few years back when he won the Masters, and then he won a Chambers Bay, 
and then he barely missed out on winning the Open Championship. Uh, like I said, there were only a couple shots uh, that I mean, he was on the he was on the seventy second hole with a with a chance uh, with a chance at it. So and, and now we're looking at it, a guy who I think one of the biggest things that is causing that disparity is it used to be when Spieth was dominating that basically if he put the ball on the green anywhere on the green it didn't matter if it was two feet or thirty feet the ball was going in the hole his next stroke he got the putter out and he was putting it in the hole from wherever it was and now towards the end of the year he started to get his putting form back a little bit but he was struggling a lot on the greens last year especially early in the season and I think that was the biggest shocker because he was just known as this putting guy who who was just lights out and wherever he was putting from, it was going in. And he was, forget missing the 20 and 30 footers. I mean, there was times last year where he was missing five footers and he was missing a multiple times. He was three putting from inside 10 feet a lot. Yeah, it was the West Coast that. swing. He had a tough time on that Poana. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, I feel like, that, you know, you, you, you take anyone in life, they have something they're really, really, really good at, and they know that no matter how bad they're playing once they, or how bad they're doing anything, once they get to that thing they're doing really, they're really, really good at, that they have that confidence knowing, okay, I'm here, we're good now, I'm home free. And then when you have that thing and they're not good at it anymore, <laughs> you want to talk about just absolutely confidence shattering. And, and once you lose confidence in one thing, especially in a game as, fickle as golf as it is and as mental. I mean, you lose confidence in one thing, you lose confidence in everything really quickly. We can spend the rest of this podcast talking about my issues because I'm right with you on that. Um, I've lived that. So, <laughs> But I don't think people want to hear about my, my golfing worries. We'll leave that to my golfing buddies uh, to when they make their annual appearance to roast me for 45 minutes about how bad my golf is. Um I think the year with Rory you were referring to is 2016. He was 101st in round one coverage, third in round two scoring, 109th in round three scoring, third in final round scoring. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, I, and like yeah. I said, I, I had the days, mixed up, the days of the week mixed up, but I remember it was, it was, it was that, I believe that third round, it was that, so Saturdays, uh, that he was, it seemed like every Saturday he was just going to the tank no matter what he's done uh, yes. the previous two days. It was ugly. It was very ugly. All right. We get Tiger in the Skins game on Monday. Um, I'm not sure. Have you seen the videos today from the uh, uh, clinic out there at, at uh, Pebble? I haven't seen the videos from today. No, the last the, the last thing I've seen in regards to anything with the Skins game was the video that they put out uh, uh, last week when uh, with the the Japanese lessons. Yes. Which okay. Was so very very entertaining and very well done. Yes. So today. Tiger's, um, the Tiger Woods Invitational, benefiting his foundation at Pebble Beach. He held, he does a uh, clinic for this every year. And if you go to TGR Live Events on Facebook, you can see the first four minutes of it and various stuff through Instagram. Now look, judging somebody on curated Instagram feeds is never a good idea when you're trying to judge someone's health. But he looked healthy, he looked spry, and he hit that rope slice that he had hit in Mexico on the ninth hole on Friday uh, once, and he hit one of those super high launching draw drivers and really put a lot into it and looked fine, came out of it fine, and then went back to his eight iron to do something or other. I'm not quite sure what. So he clearly looks like a functional golfer right now, which is good to see. What do you expect out of Tiger these next two weeks and then, or actually Monday over there and then Thursday through Sunday? And then, do you think he gets he picks himself for the Presidents Cup team? Do you think the uh, 
the uh, whatever that was, the uh, committee of one, except for him, it'll be a committee of nine who have to decide, or well, nine plus the vice captains decide if they actually want him. Yeah, well, first off, before we get to that, I will say that um, when it comes to somebody like Tiger, I think that you do kind of judge him on those little Instagram videos. I mean, think about when, when he was getting ready for his comeback. Think about how much we judged him from that five-second clip when he was in the simulator. Think about how much we judged him when he was splashing water balls at, at that event uh, in D.C. for his for his foundation. Yep. Say for, yeah. So normally, I would say you don't judge somebody by that, but for somebody like Tiger, yeah, I think given his the history with, with what he's posted, I think that it was just like everything else, it was posted on purpose and it was posted to show that uh, he is looking good and he's ready to uh, continue to keep playing again. As for my expectations, obviously, the skins game is going to be a fun thing. His, his goal there is to just not hurt himself. Let's, let's, let's face it, it's an exhibition. It's for uh, amount of money that, quite frankly, if somebody of Tiger's magnitude and a bank account, it's, it's the, you know, that's chump change for somebody like him. So obviously his goal is going to be to not get hurt, uh, to have a little fun, to entertain the crowd, and to uh, uh, you know, uh, make it worthwhile enough that he can continue to do more of these events. Obviously this is his second uh, exhibition he has now done it, uh, in the last few years. Obviously we had the Phil one uh, last year. Uh, as for what I think for what his expectations should be for the Zozo Championship as well, um, pretty much the same thing. I think at this point he wants to play four rounds of golf and stay healthy through all four rounds. He wants to play four rounds of golf and look relatively sharp in the process. And I think as far as the committee of one, as you called him, would, would be looking at in terms of how he plays uh, this upcoming, you know, in this, this upcoming stretch here, it's, does he have the confidence in his game? Is he able to stay healthy? Does he think that his game is sharp enough? And I think if the answer to all three of those questions is yes, then I don't see a scenario where he does not pick himself uh, to be a captain selection, which could be uh, very unfortunate for a guy like Phil Mickelson, who has pretty much, who has made every President's Cup team uh, since its creation. But uh, I feel like if Tiger picks himself, that could mean that Phil might be on the outside looking in. And then, if you want to get into the really nitty-gritty, you go into the tweet that Tiger made after Patrick Reed won the Masters, which guaranteed him a captain's pick on the President's Cup team. Tiger clearly thought at that time there was no way Patrick Reed would not make the cup on would not make the event on points, uh, considering how well he was playing coming out of Augusta last year. We all know what happened there, and now he's in need of a pick. So is it? A bunch of guys playing for three spots, for two spots. You don't know. My money is on Tiger playing if he's healthy. The event needs it. Um, it just it needs any cachet you can get. I'm sorry if people don't like it in the tenant of the sport, but that's what I believe is going to happen to uh, further the game as we go forward. Um, and I and I know it's too late now. You know, obviously because you know the rules have already been put in place and 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 everything and whatnot. But you know. And I hate to say this because obviously it's it's more competition, and the and the international side is very much competing to try to win. But the President's Cup is what it is. It's it's a made for TV event that's basically a, a way for the U.S. team to just get a, a team win under the belt, and maybe you know do some preparations for for the upcoming Ryder Cup. It's not really viewed as the most serious of events. Uh, instead of Tiger having to burn a captain's pick on himself, I don't under you know why not just say hey okay. For this particular President's Cup, given that our team captains are Tiger Woods and Ernie Els, hey, guess what? We're just going to go ahead and add one extra pick to each side, 
and Tiger and Ernie are going to play. And they're not going to take a captain's pick from either side, but they're going to go ahead and play. Maybe we'll have them play each other. Maybe we'll have them team up with some younger guys and just make it fun. But if it's really just supposed to be this made-for-TV entertaining event, then what harm would it do to just say, hey, for this one time only, each side's getting an extra pick, and that extra pick is going to be the captains of the teams themselves, and then we can still have our four captain's picks and everybody wins. Because in that case, in my opinion, Dan, and we're, and we're, and we're, and we're talking to Danny Hauser from the Stiff Shaft, um, from my perspective, that then loses. So the internationals, and you know because you've talked to these guys, desperately want to win this event for the first time since 98. And, I, and how do you do that? Well, you win. Uh, you know, you, you, you get the most points and you win. And for them, I think a quirky thing like that that suddenly throws into the rules about mandatory play and how many matches and how many points and this and that, it just creates a whole bunch of stuff. For me, I think this best works your idea, which I'm not against. I just think that within the confines of the rules, um, it's hard to pull off. You need to take the... Um, basically restructure the event and just go through a whole reboot deal where you give, I don't know, points that don't count. You can have some fun exhibition legacy matches things. But for these guys who want to play so hard, it totally messes up the sequence of events um, for them. And that's just my two cents on this. Oh, no, of course. I mean, I understand. I know that it's not realistic to happen. It obviously wouldn't happen this late in the game, but it would be... And, and I think we're... We're in a unique situation with this particular President's Cup, too, in the sense that both the, the, the captains for both of the teams this time around are still very, very much active tour pros. I mean, yeah, we've had it in the, in, in the past where some of the captains are part-timers or they'll, you know, they, they still play here and there. But, I mean, for the most part, Tiger and, and uh, Ernie are still full-time PGA Tour members. So it's not like they're, you know, guys that are part-timers that are, they're, they're, uh, I mean, I guess in the sense that they might be transitioning their way out of the active game more into to the roles that they're in now, but at least it, as it currently is today, they are both still very much full-time active members on the PGA Tour. So that, that I think that's why you, you, could, you could say it could work this time, maybe as opposed to other times, because just given who the captains for this particular event are. Maybe. Um, but I think it'd have to be something where you just take a step back after this one and figure out what's next best. But I, 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 I feel where you're coming from. So you're, you're not, I, I have seen crazier ideas. The only reason why I'm even, I think I'd even entertain this idea is because, you know, you hate to see a possible, uh, player deserving of a captain's pick and they don't get it because Tiger is playing himself, which, hey, listen, Tiger's the captain. He has every right to pick whoever he wants. If he wants to pick himself, he's every right to do it. But when you have so many players that you, you know, that you even mentioned a few names who are not currently qualified that would need a captain's pick. I mean, Jordan Spieth, we've just been talking about him. Obviously, if he's going to play, it's going to be via captain's pick. And then you also include all of these young guys who, you know, you, you brought up earlier uh, in the show as well who are playing this week. And a lot of those young, young guys are very, very talented Americans, and they just turn pro, so they don't have the starts under their belt that were able to, that were required in order to warrant qualifying on points. I mean, there's going to be some names that are going to get left out here with these with these captain picks that are that are probably going to be very deserving of playing. And it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. Obviously, not everyone can play, but uh, in, in one spot, it's not going to be a make or break. But it's just, you know, it's, it's one of the things where, okay, it could potentially free up one more spot for 
another deserving player, which also could be done if Tiger just doesn't pick himself. And it's a messy situation because do you look at it as we need youth for the next Ryder Cup? Do we look at it as if Gary Woodland hadn't gone through the family trauma last time around, he may not have taken as much time off when the Twins were born, and that robbed him of a start that probably would have gotten him in on points. So there's so many different permutations. I'm not trying to make light of what happened to Gary and his wife, but the truth is is that he took a bunch of time off he would not have ordinarily have done if if the tragic events of a couple of years ago had happened. He wanted to be home with his family, rightfully so. It's the right decision. But it took away a captain's pick because he didn't... Sorry, a, a, a guaranteed spot on points because he didn't play well when he came back and it took him a while to get back into it. Totally understandable. Do you reward the U.S. Open champion who, who oh, by the way, showed up at Tiger's charity event three weeks ago or whatever it was, um, the uh, Nexus Cup up here at Liberty National. So there's, there's, there's so many different ways you can look at this. Um, in addition to that, in addition to that as well, too, with some of the younger guys, I know that you know no one will ever come out and say it, but when it comes to picking guys for the Ryder Cup who don't qualify on points, you need captain's picks. Everyone can say they're as impartial as they want and unbiased as they want, but you can't sit here and tell me that you're not going to look at a guy's previous match play team match play records as, as, as far as Ryder Cups and President's Cups go. When it comes down to maybe deciding between you know who that last pick is going to be, and if you're not starting these young guys out in the President's Cup to kind of get something underneath their belt, it, you, if you're going to abide by that logic, it's tougher than to pick them come Ryder Cup time because they haven't been on a President's Cup roster and they sure haven't been on a Ryder Cup roster yet too. So, you know, it's, 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 it's tough because it's, okay, do you want to take these young guys to get, like you said, to get line up for the next 10 Ryder Cups or do you want to take, you know, a guy like Gary Woodland who probably would have qualified on his own and obviously is a veteran who's been there before and, is, and, and, and deserves a spot. So it's, it's it's almost like there's there's no way to truly win, and it's just a matter of okay, let's just see who we can pick that might be the best. Yeah, and we've seen how lethal Matthew Wolf can be a match play. So you know there there you go. Um, so there's there's a, there's a lot of different ways to go about that one for the U.S. as they get ready for the Presidents Cup and those captains picks November fourth. You can see the challenge. I can't even get... I, I am still trying to get this name right. Because <laughs> there is an official name for this for this event um, that I cannot get right. It is MGM Resorts Presents The Challenge Japan Skins produced by Golf TV, the, uh, the uh, PGA Tour and Discovery coming together to create this entity. It will be live on Golf Channel starting this Sunday night at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Golf Central pregame precedes it at 11 p.m. Eastern time. And yes, you heard that right. Golf Channel is doing a pregame show for an exhibition skins game. Welcome to the impact Tiger has. Um, Dan, every guest that comes on this show for the first time has to answer two super random questions. You have no idea what they are. They can be on any topic, on anything. The only guarantee that I make is that it's not personal. All right. Because that's not my business. So, here we go. Your first question is when you go to put on your shoes in the morning, what foot do you put on first, your left or your right shoe? My right. 
And why is that, do you think? Is there a backstory there? Or is that just what you always do? No, it's just what I always do. Maybe it's because I'm right-handed, so I just kind of do everything right side first. Uh, never really give it a thought. I just kind of throw them on and head up the door. All right. Second question. When you get ready for your golf, for your round of golf, I almost said golf round. I almost fell in that trap. Thank you, brain, for, for successfully avoiding that horrible trap. When you get ready to play your round of golf and you step to the first tee and you realize, all right, here we go. Got to go through my routine. Got to play this round the best I can. Shoot the lowest score. What is the golf superstition you have that would have people going interesting? That's an interesting question because I don't think that I really have any sort of, I guess you could say superstition or routine that I do. Um, I don't even really do it anymore because uh, I don't have it anymore. But for for years and years and years, while my driver still had a, a head cover on it, I would always... I guess you could say take my my first couple uh, warm up swings on the first tee box, leaving the driver cover on. Um, no real reason behind that, other than the fact that when I took the driver cover off, the driver felt you know a tad a little bit lighter, which felt that I could you know kind of power through the first the first tee shot a little bit better. But um, that's about it. Because I one one thing I guess the one thing I do that I guess you could say is a little bit strange, but I don't I don't just do it on the first tee box. I do it. On uh, every tee box is I actually have the tee in my not like in my mouth, but kind of almost like two thick style in your mouth um, while I'm waiting on the tee box to hit my tee shot every hole. But uh, that's not just the first hole thing. I do that on on well not all eighteen holes on every hole that requires a, that I hit the driver off of that uh, that I would need a tee for. Um, so maybe people could find that a little strange just because obviously through the course of a round, you know those tees aren't exactly the cleanest. But yeah, I'm about to say, um, I hope there's some uh, some uh, mouthwash being used after the round. <laughs> well, so I don't, I, don't put the, I don't put the side of the tee that goes into the ground. I put the side of the tee that the ball is placed on, which still I understand the ball is very, very loose, and I'm not, I'm not claiming that it's any cleaner, but uh, <laughs> I'm not putting the part on that that is directly stuck into the dirt every single time. There you go. Hmm. Interesting. I always tell this, whenever I ask this question, I have to give mine, because as, as, as soon as we get off air, then people always look at me and go, so what's yours? <laughs> you know, it's one of those that, like, so, so either it's going to happen on air or off air. That's just the way it is. Um, I, I, only, I only mark my balls with a green J, one of those small green Sharpies they, they uh, sell in pro shops. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a green J, and the number one thing I learned in high school golf and in junior golf competition is if you need to hit a, 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 a provisional or any kind of a second ball, don't use the same number or don't mark it the same so that you can clearly identify which ball is which. So one J is J with nothing on top, and the other is a J with it closed on top. Interesting. That's 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 a uh, that's actually pretty cool. I yes. Would, that, that, I wouldn't really consider that that weird at all. I would say mine's probably way more weird. And I also only mark with a dime. Don't ask me why. I just that's started. Cool. But the weird thing for me, Dan, is that it looks weird. Like you know how when someone else marks your ball for you because you were you know pitching from fifty yards away and then they're on your line and they want for the pace of play to you know uh, putt, so they mark your ball. Absolutely. 
And the weirdest thing is walking up to my marker that's not mine. Whether it's a poker chip or a quarter or whatever they used, it's just weird if it's not my personal mark. So it's funny you say that because I that, that happens throughout the, throughout around the golf, obviously. I'm sure it's happened with everyone. And when that happens to me, the first thing that I'll do when I walk up onto the green is I won't even kind of look to see what my putt is yet. I will actually pick up that other person's ball marker and then put mine down in that Same. putt before I start my routine just because for me it's too weird to look at uh, the ball marker that's not mine while I'm starting my, my putting routine. So I'll, I will actually... Uh, replace it right then and there and we're not even waiting until after the hole's over. Same. I am exactly the same. And what's, it's funny we have that same superstition. Isn't it weird when you look down and you just don't see what you normally see? Mm-hmm. It, and a lot of people don't understand this concept. But it's the weirdest thing. It is just the oddest thing yeah. to look down and not see what you expect to see. And a lot of people don't get this concept, but it's very odd. It mentally rattles me because I'm not looking at what I'm used to looking at, and then it, it just throws everything off. So I, I have to sw- switch it out, before, like I said, before I can even start my routine or else it's, uh, it's, just, it's just tough to, to, to do and, and to keep the rhythm going. And for people who use... Um, and for people who use poker chips or some kind of special coin that's not like a you know some kind of money but it's like some something else now i'm trying to figure out what the heck that is and i'm trying to analyze it and it's just way too much so i don't so i don't always use coins when i do use a coin i use a quarter but i also will use i don't use poker chips either i think they're too big but i will use actual ball markers so one of the things i like to do when i go Mm. uh, cover a tournament is i like to get a ball marker from that tournament to add to my collection. So sometimes I will go ahead and mix in a, one of those ball markers from our know, Palmer Invitational or, you know, one of those tournaments. And then other times it'll be a quarter. But yeah, to me, the poker chip just seems way too big. And it's kind of tough if you are needing to, not necessarily needing to move it, but if you need, if it's, it, 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 it's thick and it kind of sticks out, and it, you know, it can come into play a little bit more than something like a quarter or a dime or yes. a standard ball marker would. It is annoying if you need to use that as like your aim point, and if the putt doesn't mm-hmm. break like you think, then you're suddenly in major trouble. So, there's that. He is Dan Hauser, the Stiff Shaft, thestiffshaft.com. Um, at Dan Hauser Golf is his Twitter handle. And your final question in your first appearance, I'm teeing it up, and I hope you come back. Lanto Griffin, Sebastian Munoz, Cameron Champ, Kevin Na, Joaquin Neiman, Adam Hadwin, Mark Hubbard, Sunjay M, Harris English, Patrick Cantlay, Tom Hoagie. As you know, and as a lot of people who follow me on Twitter know, I have this inside joke with Alan Shipnuck that goes back and forth about my love of the FedEx Cup standings. So let's just have some fun with it. Who in this current top 10 of the FedEx Cup will still be there come Eastlake? Joaquin Neiman for me. I think this is the start of big, big things for Joaquin Neiman. I like that pick as well. Like I said, that, that's a tough list. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a lot of a lot of talented names uh, on that list, and a lot of talented names that, while they might not be household names yet, they are going to be very, very soon. Joaquin Neiman will be in, in Butler Cabin and surprise a lot of people when he does, but it won't be for those of us inside the game. That kid 
if his back with that position through impact, if that if he can keep his back healthy, he's got big things ahead of him. It is, but as we've seen uh, many times before, including with one Tiger Woods, uh, sometimes it can be tough to uh, to keep the body healthy, especially when you have a swing like that. Dan, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Let's do it again. Yes, and that's Dan Hauser. I'm Jeremy Schilling. Thank you for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, and uh, we will see you next time.